Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys! Welcome to episode 134 and this is just so exciting. News almost every week for Star Wars Celebration. Actually, it is every week for Star Wars Celebration. We just got a ton of new stuff for Galaxy's Edge, Jesse, and I feel like I need to book my flight now. I am so excited for that. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It is. I just feel like it's going to be so crowded for the first, like, six months to three years to six years of it opening, because this sounds like the coolest thing that Disney has probably done, maybe ever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) Star Wars fans, especially. (laughs) Yeah. They've had that picture up, or it's, I don't know if it's a meme or whatever, but it's, it's, it's like, here's what Disney expects it to be like, or whatever. And it's got that, like, dad with his little daughter by the Millennium Falcon. And then it's like, here's what it's actually going to be. And then it's just like a mass of people in front of the Millennium Falcon. No one can move or anything like that. It is definitely going to be jam packed for a while. For sure. And the lines, I'm sure, will be crazy at first. But having sat in Avatar Land within this past year at Disney, which is uh, relatively new for them, and the lines were like three and a half hours long, and I'm only mildly interested in Avatar, but it was completely worth the three and a half hour wait. We almost turned around, and there were people in the line that were like, just get in the line. We did this yesterday. We're doing it again. It's worth it. Wow. And it's, yeah. And I mean, I like Avatar. I think it's really, really cool, but I'm not obsessed with it like we are about Star Wars. So yeah. just saying, having said that, like in that being totally worth it and the rides being that cool and the line itself had so much to look at it. Like the line was like an attraction because it winds you through the world. Basically it's it's like areas that you can only see if you're in the line for this ride and just walking through that stuff was worth it and it didn't feel like we were in there for three and a half hours so i can only imagine i mean from everything that's come out hearing about these rides a little bit more in detail it seems like the lines are going to be in that same kind of style where you get to look at all kinds of really really cool stuff while you're waiting that i I don't think people are going to mind it being overcrowded. I think it's going to be just as cool whether it's packed or, I mean, everything's way cooler when you're getting to kind of walk around it by yourself with not massive amounts of people. But I don't think it will, I don't think it'll be possible to have a bad experience there, no matter how many people are there. Well, it's also one of those things where, yeah, it's going to be crowded, but it's also going to be exciting. You know, for me, 
I was at the uh, the launch of the Star Tours, the re- revamped Star Tours. So I was at the last tour of Endor where the original Star Tours ride sort of said goodbye. And then um, they brought in the 3D, you know, you wear the glasses and everything. And that was something that I loved. Like, yeah, it's Star Tours and it's something that's happened before, but I was there for the launch and they had George Lucas that was there to kind of kick it off and stuff like that. So it, it's an experience. It's it's not just, hey, here's a, an amusement park. Like, there's going to be so much to do. And I have American Airlines frequent flyer miles. I am going to go. I, am, <laughs> I have it in my mind that I'm going to go oh, yeah. for the opening. And I don't care about the lines. It's going to be annoying, but it's also going to be awesome. So, And we got a lot more information on Galaxy's Edge. Uh, essentially, what happened was a group of media people got to go through, and they got a lot more information on some of the new stuff, Jesse, related to Galaxy's Edge. Right, and it's just massive amounts of information. There's so many cool things. So just to kick it off, This is 100% immersive. I know that's something that they've been saying from the beginning, but they're talking about immersive down to everything that's available. Food, what you can buy is, it's not going to be like, Mickey Mouse is not available in these stores. Mickey Mouse dressed like a Jedi is not available in these stores. Yeah, It's going to be things that you would purchase if you were a real person part of this world on Batuu. It's entirely made to make you feel like you're part of the Star Wars story. Um, Down to the lightsabers. You know how in the original Star Wars section over by Star Tours you could build your own lightsaber? You could build your own droid at the original Disney Park. They have that again but it's going to be more realistic. So just, I'm, I'm super interested about this lightsaber build and the droid build because the droid isn't just going to be like a little thing that sits in your hand like it originally was. Now it is going to be a, dro- a real droid that will be able to roll around with you at the park and you'll be able to remote control it from your phone and it will know things about the park that you don't know. <laughs> and it That will- is awesome. It's so crazy. So it'll help you like navigate and like maybe see like cool things that you wouldn't have normally seen or have normally been able to decode without your droid. And then, I mean, I, who knows how expensive those will be, but I'm already down to buy one. I don't care. Um, <laughs> they've said they have tested them for like mass people, like, a, like, you know, you're with hundreds of people and everybody has a droid. Apparently they have worked out an algorithm that makes that work. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, Then also the lightsabers are going to be completely different from what we originally had at the parks. It's going to be completely new equipment to build your saber. And it's going to be way more inventive because it's like you pick these different categories. Do you want your lightsaber to be earthy, dark sidey, light sidey? All these different categories you'll be able to pick and the choices you make during the experience give you different options of how to build your lightsaber. That's and so then you crazy. Have, it's it's, it's kind of like, so um, cool. you remember in the Clone Wars with Professor Hugh Wang and the Gathering episodes and everything where they all find their yes. crystals and build their lightsabers and everything. It's kind of cool because if you think about Gunji, he's a Wookiee, <laughs> and when Hugh Wang was like getting ready to give him his lightsaber and everything, he was like, not what you imagine but like what you feel in your heart or whatever you know like what what is being 
presented to you in your mind for your as your lightsaber and he ends up getting one made of wood which is very interesting because yeah. the Wookiees traditionally live in trees and stuff like that so it totally makes sense for him and with this it sounds like whatever choices you make for your own lightsaber will it will be different every time and it'll depend on like like you said if if you want an earthy one a dark side one whatever it'll be interesting to see what the the different options are yeah, I feel like those episodes heavily influenced um, how they created this experience. And another really cool thing about it is it seems like, because the original lightsaber building thing, it was like you had to, what are they called? Like the retractable, like actual yeah. saber mm-hmm. part, the actual light part. It's the not going to be like that is what it will sounds like to me the blade thank you um it's not what that is going to be it seems like it is going to be something along the lines of like the intense like fx replica sabers are that is just my feeling about Mm -hmm. it it's from how they're describing it that's what it sounds like to me because you can change the colors of the blade depending on how you're feeling and if you were to attach your i'm not sure if it's depending on how you're feeling or if you attached your saber to another person's of a different, you know, faction of pieces if it changes the light from there. I don't know, I was a little confused on that, but you will be able to change the light in some way. And then you're gonna have your own kyber crystal that it will actually be able to add it and removed from the lightsaber. And then you can buy separately a holocron and put your kyber crystal in the holocron and unlock more data from the holocrons. And you'll be able to, I think you also can put it in your droid as well so it sounds like it's a lot of the different merchandise <laughs> sort of like crosses over with other merchandise that they have at the park and stuff oh yeah it's the merchandise is going to be awesome and that is just a small part of the information that was released there's also going to be able to buy sith and jedi relics handmade toys that look like they were handmade from somebody from batu and then oh and even down to there's not going to be like the regular disney bags like the boxing is going to be or the bags that they give you to take whatever merchandise you've purchased is not going to look like a Disney bag it's going to look like it's from that particular store or if something you know maybe a holocron isn't something that you would buy in a store and bag it they're not going to give you a bag at all it's just going to be like here's your holocron walk out with it does it say anything in there about accepting Republic credits as payment? No, it doesn't. But I really hope they come up with a way to do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be. They also released a ton of information about the two main attraction rides, Rise of Resistance and the Millennium Falcon ride. In the Rise of the Resistance, it's going to be the longest attraction that they've ever done with a vehicle at Disney before. It seems like it is very immersive. There are going to be live actors playing like actual stormtroopers that will be in front of you and actual resistance members that will be in front of you. So it's not just, you know, holograms and animatronics. There's going to be real people that will be interacting with you throughout the ride which is awesome and super different from most other rides at Disney. Um, You find yourself in the middle of a battle between the Resistance and the First Order, and you're on a trackless vehicle that's actually being driven by a real cast member, so that'll make it a little bit more interesting. You're going to meet Ray, BB-8, they're going to appear in hollow form, Poe, and Nian Num, 
<laughs> and then you're going to be able to come face to face with Kylo Ren. So this sounds so incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the technology that we've seen in some of the animatronics already look amazing. And I'm very excited to see how they do this. Yes. And through this line, you're going to be going through resistance bunkers. Um, you're going to get to see a life-size replica of Poe's X-Wing and an A-Wing, which is just incredible icing yeah. on the cake um and then in the millennium falcon ride smugglers run is you're going to actually get to travel in, in the cockpit fly the millennium falcon there's six seats so you have two pilots two gunners and two flight engineers um you're going to come face to face with a animatronic hondo anaka yeah um who is being said to be the second best animatronic that disney has ever done second only to the Navi River Journey in Avatar. Um, this Falcon that's out front is of this ride is 100% to scale, and that's something that they've never built, not even for the movies. So this wow. is completely new. They built the Millennium Falcon for the first time in its entirety for this land, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and throughout waiting for this ride, part of the line is waiting in the lounge area, that space that is so iconic with the Dajaric table mm. um, that we've seen so many beloved characters in. You're going to get to like hang out in there in like a free form. So like you're starting in the line, and then they'll take a big group of you out of the line and put you in the lounge. And then you're just like free roaming. And they said you're going to have like a card with a group number. And then they'll just call your group number when you're ready so that you don't have to actually stand still in a line. You get to explore the lounge while you're waiting. It's so terrible that we have to wait for this, but I know it's <laughs> going to be worth it. It is. It, it's oh, it's going to be so worth it. And what's cool about this ride is even though you have complete control over it, you are completely flying, you are completely fixing, everything is all on the outcome of the ride is completely unique and on your team, there is no way to fail. You're not gonna just hit a wall in the first minute and the ride is over. Um, they're just, it says it'll, your results though, cause everybody's results will be different based on how well you do, are going to build or lose your reputation throughout Black Spire. They said that they didn't release any details on exactly what that means and exactly how that's gonna pan out, but somehow once you get on this ride and you either do really well or maybe not so well it will so affect is it like the a, way a light side dark side thing i don't know they just said it will affect the way people or something to, with uh, the land like interact with you later on while you're in the park they hmm. didn't give any detail on it um i don't understand how that's going to work but some maybe something to do with the the Disney app, maybe, because they are completely revamping the Disney Parks app so that as soon as you enter Galaxy's Edge, the app is going to automatically change into a Star Wars data pad. Um, That's awesome. And <laughs> yeah, and this data pad has a bunch of cool features. So there's going to be a translate function. So you'll be able, people who can't read Arabesh, don't know the alphabet, it will translate it for them. If like there's creatures or aliens or cast members or animatronics that are walking around and using some kind of 
foreign alien language that we can't understand, this app will translate it for you. Wow. So it you'll know it's like they're not just goobly gobbly. They're actually saying something that would be interesting for you to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's going to be a feature called hack, which is going to allow you to access a droid's memory. So I don't know if that only works with your droid, if you choose to purchase one or if there's going to be droids just around that you'll be able to hack and interact with. Um, that'll be interesting to see. And <laughs> It'd be then... funny, like, you just choose a random little kid. I'm going to hack this kid's droid. Excuse <laughs> me, can it. I pull these mess with your droid right now? Just hold yeah. on. Um, and then there's going to feature that is called scan, which it just says is a decryption key. So I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, but then you'll also be able to send galactic text messages to in-world characters and they use Hondo Onaka as a example. So you'll be able to text Hondo and he will text you back with like a job and like a mission or something to do in the park. That's crazy. They, I mean, I don't even think with any of the other, you know, worlds. Now I know Harry Potter is universal and, and that's just amazing in itself, but there's nothing that they have like that. No. Right. And same They've thing. I haven't been to that. Pandora. I haven't been to Pandora, but I don't think they have anything like that specifically for Pandora either. No. And Pandora is amazing. Pandora, it, it feels very much like what they're describing for Galaxy's Edge, where once you step over the line and you're in Pandora, Pandora you look around and it is 100% believable that you are like on that planet. Yeah. Like there, you cannot see anything else in the skyline. You hear the sounds, the sights. The foods, the drinks, everything is in world and everything tastes delicious and it is just so cool. So I can only imagine heightened times a thousand for us like massive Star Wars fans that this is going to literally blow our minds. Um, They said they picked this like far off galaxy's edge, Vetu, at the edge of the wild space unknown regions for the purpose of that we haven't seen it in a Star Wars movie. We know we're not in a Star Wars movie. We weren't part of any of these stories, but we can be part of this one. It's yeah. completely new and it's for us to be a part of, which is just great. Out of this world, never been done before. So exciting. My only other thing is if you were worried about the whereabouts of Star Tours, it will still be there. It is not going away. There's so much more information on Galaxy's Edge. Um, you can find really great articles about details of every single drink and food item on the StarWars.com. Um, Nerdist, I know, has a bunch of really cool articles detailed about all these different categories. Um, if you're looking for more, definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm very excited. I'm I'm really planning a trip out there. I really want to make it happen. Um, it's supposed to open in California in the summer and then in Florida in the fall. And my vacation just happens to reset come September. So I should have a whole new uh, set of vacation um, days open for that. So that that's definitely my plan, uh, my calendar. So hopefully we can get that going. Just a couple other news topics before we start talking about Celebration. The Padme book, which is called Queen Shadow, was released on March 5th. 
which was written by E.K. Johnston, which is the same author that did the Ahsoka book. If you're more interested in the audio, it is read to you by Kat Tabber, who is Padme from The Clone Wars. So that's pretty cool. So make sure to either download that or pick that up. We got some Battlefront updates, Jesse. We have Anakin Skywalker that was now added to Star Wars Battlefront. We also have another appearance for him. So when you first unlock him, he's just normal Anakin, Episode 3. You can also unlock a different skin for him, which is essentially the same thing, except he's got a robe. There is also new clone appearances and things like that. And Anakin, I knew I was going to love him. He's probably going to be my my go-to character when I, I, I feel like my team definitely needs a win. Anytime a character is first released on Battlefront, it always is impossible, like in Heroes <laughs> and Villains or any of the other any of the other game modes where you have the opportunity to be a hero, to become that hero because everybody wants to be that hero. So it's it's just it's crazy to try and get Anakin now. It's like, oh, you're fully loaded in. Okay, go, 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 go. And you try to beat that next person <laughs> all the way from one side with your cursor to the other side of the screen to get to Anakin. And it's just a race to the finish to try to get him. But I've been him, I think, twice now. I've got him up to rank five, and he's awesome. He comes with a bunch of emotes. He interacts with Obi-Wan as you're walking around. He interacts with Count Dooku. Voiced by Matt Lanter, who's the voice of Anakin from the Clone Wars. So it's it's really, really cool. Um, they, they definitely got that right with Anakin. When you say his second skin is that he has a robe, mm-hmm. is it over his head, like scary dark sidey Anakin? No, it is not. Oh, it okay. Is, yeah. Um, I have a feeling that they, I mean, they haven't announced it, at least not that I've seen, that they'll throw another skin in there. But I think it would be cool if they had the Clone Wars, you know, like season one and two version of of Anakin's outfit. Um, They've got General Kenobi for Obi-Wan, and they also have an Obi-Wan with his robe and then an Obi-Wan without his robe. So it would be cool if they added another appearance for Anakin soon, but we'll see. And Anakin at this point, um, I mean, most of the heroes have an LB, at least for Xbox, LB and RB move, and then if you push them both together, the bumpers... They do, an, uh, you know, your character does another move, but Anakin has this, like, counter where once the counter's full, he can do, I think it's called Retribution or something like that. You could push Y, and then he basically does the move that we see him do in Mortis with the son and the daughter where he picks them both up, like one of them on one side, the other one on the other side, and just throws them across the map, and you pretty much die. So once Anakin's like counter reaches its max, he can do that and then pick up everybody that's in like a certain radius and just throw them. And it does a lot of damage. So it's really cool. He's the only one with a Y ability at this point in a counter. Um, yeah. Does that counter take longer to like regenerate than his other abilities? Yeah. Is that like more rare? Yeah. Okay. You ba- I think the counter has to be built up somehow. So like, I don't know if it's, Killing people or getting, you know, game points or score or mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not totally aware of how the counter goes up. I'm assuming it's just like battle points or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's I've only been able to use it a couple times because it's at this point, it's still hard to be Anakin, even though he was just released <laughs> on like the 27th of February. So it's right. been it's coming up on a week here now. It's been a week. So yeah, but it's he's awesome. I'm very happy and 
hopefully they'll continue to do more stuff. I, I, I think this is the last update that they've uh, had planned as far as new characters. Um, but I know there's a new game mode that's supposed to be out coming soon, but I haven't, I'm not sure when that's coming either. So both some pretty cool stuff. They need to release Ahsoka. Yeah. For this, if they don't release Ahsoka for the Clone Wars, <laughs> I'm going to be upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Ahsoka and Ventress or something would be cool. or Yeah. Savage or Press or somebody. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But Star Wars Celebration, there's a ton of new Star Wars Celebration news that was released. And as always, you know, we've got new guests and things like that, which are very exciting. But some of the other interesting things are panels. And while we don't have a ton of new information on panels, we do have a couple of them that have been announced. The 20th anniversary of the Phantom Menace panel will be on Monday, April 15th. And this is the final day of Star Wars Celebration. I am extremely, extremely excited about this, Jesse. Um, Probably more than a lot of people. I've been talking to a bunch of people about this. Episode 1 was the first Star Wars movie that I ever got to see in the theater. And it was kind of like that conversation that we had on one of the other podcasts um, about the new Star Wars movies and sort of like what you were saying. You know, the original trilogy and even the prequels were out before you really got into it. And so when you felt like Star Wars became yours was when you started seeing the movies in the theater, you know, on the premiere dates for the first time with everybody else. You know, that that's what made you feel connected to it. And for me, as a nine-year-old kid, I was the same age as Anakin was in the movie. I connected with him. I thought Jar Jar was hilarious. Darth Maul was super cool. The lightsaber battles were awesome. I loved episode one, and I can't wait to be in this 20th anniversary panel. It's going to be really exciting. I feel like as a kid, when I did watch, this is, Phantom Menace is what I watched. That's what me and my cousin watched probably a million times over. Yeah. Because that was what was new and cool at the time. <laughs> yeah. And I was the kid that brought my Jar Jar Binks lunchbox to school and got made fun of and, you know, whatever. But it was it was a part of my life for a huge, a huge chunk of it at the, at the beginning. So being in this room and, you know, hopefully you'll be sitting right next to me this for this 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace is... I have a feeling they're going to bring some big guests. I don't know if you and McGregor will show up. I don't know who will show up. But we've already got a couple episode one actors that are coming, so I think it's going to be really cool. I'll take that Jar Jar Binks lunchbox and I'll take it to work for lunch. I don't care who makes fun of me. (laughs) Well, also related to panels, and we don't have an official day on this one yet, at least not as far as I know, the Fallen Order, which is a new game that has been announced, but we don't know anything about it really. So this will be a really good way to get more information about the new game Fallen Order and I know a lot of people have been getting on EA for their lack of Star Wars games considering in the same amount of time that EA's had the license for Star Wars games the amount of games that they've produced is sorely lacking compared to uh, what LucasArts did back in the day with games coming out all the time so it'll be interesting to see what this Fallen Order game is and and, uh, how we go about playing that one Star Wars Pin Trading is also returning, and this is something I love to do. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Star Wars Pin Trading program at Star Wars Celebrations, it's very interesting. 
essentially what you do is you trade pins with other fans from all over the place and there's a whole line of pins just for celebration chicago and each and every time they do these they always start with a set of pins that are only available for people going to the show but online before the show actually begins so the first wave was qui-gon maul Watto and Jar Jar, so it was a set of four that went on sale first on February 22nd. There were so many people on the ReadPop site that the site crashed, and some people were able to get them, some people weren't. ReadPop actually had to send an email out to all the people who are going saying that they apologize, they didn't expect this many people to you know, create this much traffic on the site. And so they're like, we're going to try this again on Monday. And that was a Friday. So Monday comes around. The first time I tried, it was like two hours. Still didn't get anything. And then on Monday, it was 45 minutes that it took me to get these pins ordered, which is crazy. Um, wow. It was $45. You got the four pins, and then you also got a T-shirt. Um, and then you also have to pay for shipping and stuff like that. But these pins are not going to be available at the show. These are only available online. So it's actually some pretty good trade bait for the people who either missed out or didn't get them online if you bring these to the show because they won't be available for sale there. And there's a couple other pins that are going to be coming. Um, They're part of this Road to Celebration thing. Pin set two says coming soon on the Star Wars Celebration site. It looks like it's going to be Hera and Kanan. And then there's also a third pin set which looks like Anakin and maybe Padme. It's hard to tell. They haven't revealed them. It's just the silhouettes of the characters. But a lot of the major retailers, like think about Fantasy Flight Games, who does a lot of the games, Think Geek, Hallmark maybe, I don't know, it just depends. I think think Del Rey Books or DK Books or somebody had an exclusive Thrawn one one year and Fantasy Flight had a Nian Num one and so on and so forth. There's certain places that you have to go to get these pins and then there's a whole set of them that are just blind boxes so if you go to the celebration store you can buy blind boxes and you don't know who you're going to get you usually get two per box and then there's been a couple of soka pins that have been only available at the star wars celebration store that you have to spend over a certain dollar value in order to get a to to get it so these pins are super cool they're i believe they're enamel pins I believe that's what they're made out of but yeah, yeah they're really cool see i didn't do the pack when they advertised it because i just want charger so <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel like if i get a blind thing someone there's got to be a lot of people who don't want charger that will trade with me <laughs> yeah well here's the thing too maybe you and i can trade because i actually went back and looked at my order after the two hours on the friday And I never got a confirmation email or anything, never got any of that stuff. So I was like, crap, I missed it. Mm -hmm. Monday comes around and the same thing happens, except I do get a confirmation email and everything. So later on, I go onto the Repop site and it's showing that I have two orders processing, one from Friday and one from Monday. So I'm like, oh, well, looks like I have two coming now. So yeah, there's a lot of trading opportunities then. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. So pin trading is really cool, especially if you're into the pins. I highly recommend it. If you're not, they're still pretty cool collectibles to to go after. And that's the thing with these Star Wars celebrations. A lot of the stuff actually goes on sale. Some of the merchandise prior to the show. If you're into Star Wars art, the art went up last week. 
And I know some of the prints that there's at least a couple different prints that are sold out already. And I believe what most of the artists are doing are they're limiting their pieces to 250. At least that's what I've seen on a lot of them. Um, 250 pieces. And the artists, I believe, are saving 50 of those pieces to be sold at Celebration at their table in the art area, which will be Acme Archives. So if you're into the art and some of the pieces that sold out, you highly, you really want to get them. Like I know there was a Cantina one, Jesse. I don't know if you saw that one. It's really cool. It's it's sort of like dark Cantina, but then the mm-hmm. droid, the C-3PO's eyes are bright and Obi-Wan's lightsabers lit up and it's, it's really cool. And that one sold out. And I think there's uh, no one's ever really gone is the title of it. Like with uh, Luke and Leia. That one's sold out, but they will have 50, I believe, 50 prints of those pieces available for sale at the show. But they sold out online already a month, over a month prior to the show. So you know how it's going to be pretty crazy when you actually get there. But a lot of the official Star Wars Celebration art is up for sale. If you go onto acmearchives.com, you can buy a bunch of it. Otherwise, the art is for sale through the different artists and their websites. So I spent close to 300 bucks on art this past week. So I'm very excited about that. But they've got some really amazing pieces, including some nice Ahsoka ones, Jesse, that I feel like you'd really like. Yeah. Um, so there's some, there's some awesome ones out there. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. And, of course, we talked about the guests, and there's been a couple different rounds of guest announcements since we did our last show Julian Glover, who plays General Veers, will be there. John Morton, who plays Dak, who's Luke's gunner. He also is in the Boba Fett costume for a little bit. Billy Dee Williams is a big name guest. Obviously, he plays Lando Calrissian, and he's slated to be in Episode Nine, which is really cool. Michael Culver, who's Captain Nita, the officer from Empire Strikes Back that gets choked by Vader. Anthony Forrest, who is the Sand Trooper on Tatooine in the original Star Wars. Move along, move along, that guy. Um, Ray Park was announced, and obviously Ray Park is Darth Maul in Solo, A Star Wars Story, and in The Phantom Menace. And then, of course, we we have some more animated um, characters, some of the voice actors. We have Taylor Gray, who's Ezra, and Tia Sirkar, who's Sabine, and Freddie Prince Jr., who is Kanan from Star Wars Rebels. And we also got Matt Lanter, who's Anakin Skywalker from The Clone Wars, which is pretty cool. Those guys were all announced within the last uh, two weeks. And we're shooting to have the show out by Wednesday. Today's Sunday night, so hopefully Wednesday we'll have this out. Wednesday is the... I don't know if that's the 6th or what day it is. I believe it's the 6th. But we're hoping to have this out by then, and there should be more guests announced today. So... I wanted to talk a little bit more about the signing for those of you who are getting autographs at the show and what we can expect from the next couple weeks leading up to celebration. I did listen to an interview with a guy from Tops. I can't remember exactly what his title was, but his name is Mark, and he's been handling a lot of the stuff related to celebration and the autograph area. So just a couple things. In total, they're planning on having over 50 guests, and we're already at 43 right now. I counted them myself. 
Um, we're already at 43, and that's not including like authors or artists or people like that. This is just talent from the movies or the animated shows, which means we have probably about 10 left. So you can expect guests to be announced every Wednesday leading up to the show. And then two days later, on the following Friday, after the guests are announced, that will be when the photo ops and the autograph sales will go up. It's been around about 2 o'clock central time that the guests are announced on Wednesdays. And also around that same time, about 2 o'clock, when the autographs and photo op sales for that person will go up on the website, on the Epic Photo Ops website. So just in case you're wondering about that. This guy, Mark, also did say that there are, there's not going to be any main cast of Episode Nine or The Mandalorian. And the reason being for this, he said, was just in case they need to get called back for reshoots or things like that. So a lot of the, you know, the main cast for Episode Nine, like Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaacs, I don't know about Mark Hamill. There's a lot of rumors that he won't be there this year. That's because they need to make sure that they have time in case for reshoots for Episode Nine. Don't know if that's, you know, the total reason or if they just want to save it for spoilers and want to limit the fan interaction with the, the talent from the new stuff. I don't know. I'm assuming there's going to be an episode 9 panel, so maybe the main cast will be there for the panel and that's it. But it doesn't look like anybody from either the Mandalorian or episode 9 main cast will be signing or doing photo ops. They will have a top store this year as well, and at the top store they'll have some of the tops trading cards and things like that. Um, but they are not going to have anything other than 8x10s available at the um, autograph areas. If you were at Orlando last year, they had all sorts of different sizes of photos if you wanted to buy to get signed and stuff like that. They will not have that this year. This guy, Mark, recommended that if you want a bigger sized photo to get signed, bigger than an 8x10, that you order it ahead of time and bring it because they won't have that stuff there. One positive, though, about this year is that all the 8x10s are actually going to be at the actor's table, which they didn't do last time. They actually had them at a different table, and you had to wait in line and go prove that you had everything, and then you'd get your 8x10. But this year, they'll actually be at the actor's table, which I think will be a lot better. So just a little bit of information there for everybody that is going to be getting autographs at the show and we'll have more information as we continue to get closer. And Jesse, this is probably a good time to say this. I don't know if we'll do it on our next show or two shows from now, but I need a count too. This is this is like my eighth celebration, I think, if I'm not missing any. So I've been going to celebrations for a long time, and I wanted to do an episode on here, Jesse, Twin Sons Transmission, about... Just some questions for some people who haven't gone to celebrations, like what to expect. And I'm getting a lot of this from my coworkers and and people that haven't gone yet. Like, how do the autographs work? And how does the lines work? And they change it a little bit between celebration, but a lot of it's the same. If you want to go to the panels, you're going to have to wait overnight, especially the big ones. You know, things to bring, things not to bring, stuff like that. I wanted to have sort of a, a, a whole show dedicated to celebration and open it up for questions for people that had any questions that they wanted addressed on 
one of our shows. So I don't know if it'll be our next show or our, the show after that, but coming up soon before celebration, let's do that. Yes, I will be your patient Padawan learner. It's a first time celebration goer <laughs> on that episode. They're a lot different than other cons and normal cons. It's not like C2E2 or anything like that. There's there's a whole method to the madness and sometimes to me the method makes no sense, but you got to go <laughs> along with it. So Let's get into Star Wars Resistance, and Jess, we have two episodes to discuss. The first one being The Disappeared, and as always, we don't want to be the one to spoil anything for you, so if you don't like spoilers, hop off now and come back, but let's let's get into talking about The Disappeared, Jesse. We've got some good stuff. The first thing I want to say is that this episode and the following episode, Descent, probably are my favorite episodes of Resistance that we've gotten so far. I don't know how you feel about them, but I loved these last two a lot. I feel like they were our first, like, arc where the first yeah. one, the next one ended right where the last one. Right. Like, literally the up. same scene. Right. Yeah. Hands still in the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was a great one. The, this episode that disappeared starts off where they're actually racing and we see the aces and everything. And Pyre comes in and is like, you know this is a bad security risk. We don't know if the pirates are coming back and stuff like that. And even before all this happened, I was like, I'm glad that they're racing because the racing is good for the morale of the people. It's, it reminded me of um, Game of Thrones with Marine, how this, the fighting pits were shut down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the people were like, no, this is part of our tradition. It makes us happy. We like this. You know, yeah. and that's what the racing is for the Colossus. It's something that gets them excited and happy and makes them feel like everything that's happening around them is normal. It's everyday life. Right. And it's cool that Doza really gets that. And Doza, yeah. it's, he doesn't just do it, you know, for, you know, maybe there's like money involved a little bit, probably. He said it's part of some people's livelihoods, but his like main concern is the morale of the people. I mean, if they're this isolated little station, like they don't have anything else. I don't, as far as we've seen that is just kick back and relax and be entertained besides these races. So that would be a huge deal. It's like, if yeah. the only thing you had was your Xbox to entertain you, there was nothing else in the world that was entertaining you. And then, you know, the first order comes in and smashes your Xbox. Right. <laughs> you'd be very upset much like Hyde Faison yeah. was <laughs> right and, took, uh, you took away like his entire identity basically yeah. for him yep I mean he was one of the best if not the best ace pilot and when you take away his baby you take away racing you threaten his ship you, you know you threaten to lock it down he, he gets pretty upset and rightfully so we find out that Tam and Kaz want to become aces, which I think is pretty, you know, yeah, especially with, with Kaz. I don't know how much of that was actually true since he's a spy. And it'd be hard to be a spy and be an ace and have a million other responsibilities. I don't know. But um, yeah. it seemed like we haven't really seen Tam fly. We've seen her work as a mechanic and we understand that she wants to basically own the fireball or you know have that be her ship Mm -hmm. but we haven't really seen her fly or anything 
No, I I'd be really excited to see that too because she she was like one of Hype's best friends, so you would assume they're on a similar level. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're you know training together and friends together, you'd think that she'd be able to compete with him at least. So that would put her at a really high rank if yeah. she, if we were to see her fly. That's how I feel. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe she'll need to fly to save herself <laughs> from the first order. Yeah, I, I definitely tell you, and we'll we'll talk about this more come the next episode, but there's a bunch of different things that were going through my mind watching these two episodes related to Tam and different outcomes, different futures for her. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if it went through your mind or whatever, but we'll, I guess we'll get there when we get there. But, of course, we have Tam and Kaz who disagree on the First Order again. And this First Order understanding that Tam has is really kind of concerning. It's obviously not going to be good for her and her friends if she continues to do this type of stuff. I feel like this is what Tam needed. Like, she wasn't going to believe, you know, the stories that she's been hearing. You know, she's met these kids whose entire world was you know, destroyed. And her response was, well, there had to be a reason. Like she wasn't, she wasn't getting it. So maybe she needed to be in it face to face with the injustice of them, um, in order to start understanding. But at the same time, I feel really bad for her because it's really not like her friends, her closest people, Yeager and Kaz have, like done much to help her understand they've just kind of been writing her off and being like well tam isn't gonna get it so we're not gonna involve her in it and now yeah. it's to her She's confused. detriment yeah like i mean she truly believes that they're just the police force and that they're there to help even if sometimes it doesn't lead to the best situations she really believes in that them not informing her properly or really trying to bring her into it and make her understand what's going on is really, it's put her in a lot of danger. I feel bad for her. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I don't know. I think it's also goes both ways though. I think she needs to be more open to hearing what Kaz and Yeager have to say about it Oh, because yeah. she's very dismissive of what they're saying as well, you know? So yeah, I think it goes both she- ways. And she what? does get, like, mad and storm off a lot when they're talking about it. So she doesn't really give them the opportunity. But I feel like if Kaz would have came clean earlier, mm-hmm. then maybe this could have been avoided. Or maybe she could have turned him in because who knows. The first thing she did was tell them, like, oh, yeah, Poe Dameron. He's totally friends with all my friends. Yeah. And I was like, damn it, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... One of the reasons why I loved The Disappeared is that, well, from a lot of the other episodes that we've gotten so far, it's basically Kaz sneaking around the Colossus trying to figure out something that he can send to the Resistance information on the First Order. Or it's him with Poe flying around, they sneak off the Colossus and go somewhere else. Or it's the Pirates and the First Order or whatever. What's really cool about this one is that you can definitely see that the First Order has gained power and gained this, like, this chokehold over the Colossus and its residents. And now everyone's finally starting to understand, not just Kaz and Yeager, 
but Doza and Aunt Z and Hype and all these people are finally revolting. They're finally sticking up for themselves and for the Colossus. Aunt Z did an awesome job. I, I was like the biggest Aunt Z fan in this episode. And it's kind of <laughs> interesting, Jesse, because I think it was on our last episode we were talking, or maybe it was two episodes ago, about the stormtroopers and how they get sent to reconditioning and how they're like brainwashed. And then we started talking about the differences between the clone army, the Imperial army, and the First Order army. It's all different and how they get their troopers. And it's really interesting that we talk about how these stormtroopers are taken, like Finn, who was raised to be a stormtrooper, raised to do one thing, and then if he slacks off or misbehaves, they send him to reconditioning, and then he's fine. But now we also know that the First Order is using propaganda to enlist other people, and enlist people, they wanted to enlist people at Aunt Z's bar. So yeah, they're using I was multiple ways. By that. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. And I also wonder if, like, when you enlist, if they, I mean, obviously all organizations, if you're going to join them, they try to make you see the best in them. But I wonder if they'll, like, brainwash you, too. And yeah. if it's, like, as effective. Probably. On, like, an adult as it is, like, a young kid that they've been brainwashing their whole lives. Yeah. Probably, because if you want all your stormtroopers to work together and to have the same frame of mind, they're probably all going to have to go through similar training, and I'm assuming part of that training is going to be brainwashing, or reconditioning, as they call it. Right. So, especially if they're using propaganda, I can see if they're all trained from being a baby, you know, up to being a full-grown stormtrooper that maybe you could have the same training and, you know, be on the same mindset. But if you're using propaganda to get people to enlist, those people are going to come with all sorts of different problems, I feel like. so. Right. But I also wonder if they'll just, you know, they could make them like the grunts, like the expendable ones. Versus the they, officers or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. so you have, like, all your high-ranking people, which, I mean, it probably takes a lot of time and resources to, like, steal a child and have them grow like 20 years of brainwashing like they need more they can't that's not sustainable to build a army that needs to keep growing like they have to just get massive amounts of people in order to overwhelm and maybe all those people yeah will be like the expendable grunts that they just throw into the line of fire first yeah that's a good point that's uh yeah that's probably you're probably onto something there for sure uh, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how they continue to engage the people in the Colossus because Aunt Z clearly wasn't having any of it, and that was pretty cool. And because of that, along with Hype and a couple other people, they got they got captured and they got arrested, thrown into um, an Imperial or a First Order transport, kept on one of the docks until everything was good for them to... Uh, it, was, it was the First Order's plan to ship them off to off-world somewhere, which probably would not have been good for them. So it's good that Kaz ended up allowing the ship to escape, and it turns out they're going to Takodana, which is pretty cool. Aunt Z has an old friend on Takodana, so was that Maz? It's gotta be Maz. Yeah. It's gotta be Maz. I hope we see Maz. Oh my gosh, if we see Maz, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. (sighs) And the end of this episode, Kaz and his friends end up getting arrested. So it's Kaz, Niku... Uh, Yeager, 
and I believe that was it, and the and the droids. And Tam. Oh yeah, Tam. Yep. So and that's where it ends, Jesse. Like you said, this is sort of the first time that we've had one episode end and the other one begin immediately where the other one ended. So they end with everybody getting arrested from the first order. And as soon as as soon as I saw this the beginning of this episode and Tam was like, Hold on and like started talking to them like, Oh crap. Tam's gonna screw everything up. <laughs> this is all gonna be her fault. She's like, Oh, this is just a misunderstanding and I'm like, Tam, just shut up. Shut up. Stop saying anything. <laughs> just be quiet and let you know, Kaz and Yeager handle this. Because this is right. the more you talk the more it's not going to go well. Right. I mean, I wonder, because I was surprised. Like, I don't know why they didn't try to go with the, this is a misunderstanding for a little bit longer, though, because immediately their cat or Tam asks Kaz, like, right, like, it's it's nothing. This, is, this isn't happening. And yeah. Kaz is like, it's complicated. And it's like, yeah. why don't you just be like, you got me. I'm the spy. Yeah. Like, shouldn't you guys be trying to evade this for a little bit longer before you decide that it all is lost? But yeah. they yeah. probably already knew they, it's the first order. It's not like you're going to talk your way out of it. So, yeah, I, I was kind of amazed how quickly Kaz was just telling everybody that he was the spy. Like, yeah. he told Niku, who didn't even believe him at first, and Kel and Ayla knew because they could hear him speaking loudly <laughs> through the vents, you know? Yeah. So, He's just yelling know. about it. Mm-hmm. I think he just feels like the jig is up. You know, like he's been caught and at this point he might as well just get everybody up to speed because he needs to be the leader. He needs them all to realize that that they need to listen to him and he has a job to do and he needs help. Well, as soon as you tell somebody that you're a spy, then you're not really a spy anymore. Because a big part of being a spy is being secretive about it. Because if everyone knows you're a spy, then it's sort of pointless. I mean, with Yeager, it's a little bit different because Yeager was there at the beginning and he helps keep Kaz's identity as a spy secret. But if Niku knows, everybody's going to know. Right. And, I mean, I think I think Kaz is kind of done being a spy because it's clear that the First Order knows that he's involved. So mm-hmm. you can't... He, I think that is over. And what's cool is at the end of this episode, he kind of, like, gives himself a new purpose like he says like we are the resistance now so i think that was kind of him like yeah stepping into a new role as from spy to like small group resistance leader Mm -hmm. yeah sort of like a different faction like a different cell of the resistance sort of like our rebel cells in rebels yeah this is uh you know a new one that that has been born and we Slowly but surely, hopefully Tam will come around and be a part of this. But one thing that was interesting is that we got the First Order Security Bureau, and her name is Commander Tierney. And this was pretty cool because we've seen a lot of the, what are called ISB agents, sort of like Agent Callus, the Imperial Security Bureau, and what they look like. I just fell in love with the look of Commander Tierney. Like, it looked like... 
and I need to watch it again, but it looked like she had two different blasters, one on each side of her body, and I just loved her jumpsuit and the, the black outfit and everything. She just looked really cool. I love the way that she sounded. I hope we get a lot more of, of this uh, Commander Tierney. She's awesome. No, she she does. She looks really cool, and she because she doesn't have a helmet, I feel like it makes her more... It, like, connects us more with that side of the First Order where there's, like, real people under those masks and there's yep. real people who do really believe that they're doing the right thing. And I think she might be one of those people that she's not, like, this villainous, like, mastermind. Like, she really is part of an organization that she believes is there to create order and peace. And I think that that could also be an issue for Tam because now this is the first person she's really coming face to face with from the first order and she might be able to like relate to this person this real face in front of her that's telling her we're here for peace so that might even make her more conflicted really yeah that was what was going through my mind as well with this whole like multiple directions that Tam could go and her future could go if she really connects with this this security bureau from the First Order, um, the commander, I feel like Tam will be interested in potentially joining up with the First Order. Because if, if this, if this oh. person is offering her drinks and being nice to her and being like, you know, they're there. Like, we're just here to help you. You know that. You know, you're whatever. Like, if she's being the good cop, essentially... Then yeah. Tam's gonna connect more with that, I think. Oh, I hope she doesn't join up. But I could see her, yeah, I could see her falling for it through this through this woman. Yeah. Which would be bad. I just think as soon as she realizes as soon as she sees like that Yeager has been captured, like I really hope that she has trust enough in her friends that they're not she knows they're not bad people. So she should, you know, know after seeing the First Order go after them that the First Order should are the ones in the wrong. Yeah. I hope that she doesn't, you know, get in the mindset of that she's been fooled, you know, by Yeager and Kaz. And, I mean, they've kept her out of the loop, but she should be able to recognize that they're her friends, she's known them, and that they're good people. And that if the First Order is going after them, that that she should be on her friend's side you know like yeah. i i mean she's she's a hard one to sway she's not easily swayed so i'm just hoping that she sticks by her friends in the end well that's kind of what kel and ayla were trying to tell tam like everything that she knows of the first order is not what her friends are telling her and mm-hmm. you know she, they made a point to bring up the tam that she was not believing her friends. And I think that that really resonated with Tam. So we'll see what happens. It also, see when Commander Tierney gave Tam a drink, she set it on the, the counter and Tam sort of pushed it aside. And I, I, don't, I don't know what that gesture means, maybe nothing, but it was also sort of like a dismissive, I'm going to put this over here type thing. Yeah, I hope that was symbolic because... Yeah. I mean, if she would have been just, like, drinking the tea, like, yeah, like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, 
then that might have been a symbol that she's like just gonna go along with it but yeah hopefully that was symbolic and she was like yeah I'm, you guys took my friends so i'm not drinking your whatever juice yeah <laughs> your whatever juice yeah <laughs> but i i talked about this when we were talking about the disappeared what's great is that the station is working together doza included and cb23 is relaying messages and things like that and they're working together to try to beat the first order without them knowing what their plans are and kaz had a very interesting plan i wasn't sure how it was going to work for a while but sinking the station essentially with the exception of just the tip top of the tower was kind of interesting it'll be it'll be fascinating to see if if the Colossus will recover without any damages from, you know, being submerged yeah. like that. I don't understand, yeah, how they go, how they reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, that'll be interesting. Well, it, I feel it, like it will. It looked like it was almost like on repulsors, kind of, like they turned everything off and then it, it sunk a little bit. But if they just turn it mm-hmm. back on, it might go back above water. I don't know. Right. I, yeah, I feel like it'll just go back. Yeah. I don't know if that'll be a big deal or not. Yeah. Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to continue to watch. Yeager had made a huge impact on me. He's constantly yelling at Kaz, especially if you start with season one. Kaz is always getting scolded by Yeager. He's always getting told what he needs to work on and improve on, and now he's not going to be a good spy if he can't do things right, and blah, blah, blah. Right. But and To lay low. Yep. Not exactly. get involved. Yep. And now we have Yeager that essentially sacrifices himself for Kaz and for the good of the, for the good of the resistance. He pushes Kaz and CB-23 back into the water, and he surrenders himself to the First Order which was a really cool thing to do. I love that he did that, and I like Yeager's character a lot more now. Yeah, and I think I even got more I got more of a taste of that in just the previous episode where he's talking to Doza and Kaz is getting all upset, saying we have to act now or our friends are going to be gone. And instead of Yeager being like, you, you need to understand our side, he was like, you're right, so you go do that and we'll keep doing this. Like, go. Yeah. Like he already, he already was like starting to become more of like a team with Kaz instead of like a combatant in a way. Yeah. If that makes sense. And there really hasn't been a lot of killing of stormtroopers or even killing of, of anybody. Like we've seen, we've seen people try to stun other people like stormtroopers are shooting their stun blasts at the, you know, Kaz and everybody. But Yeager took out some dudes. Yeager shot some stormtroopers and stuff, you know? I noticed that. They were not set to stun. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's a a sign that this is starting to get a little bit more, I mean, I don't want to say grown up, but... It's getting more real. Yeah. More to what we see in the cinematic universe of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. There's a couple other major things that happened in this episode, Jesse. One of them being Kaz was able to contact the Resistance and relay a message to Leia. And basically what Leia was saying is, sorry, we can't help you. We have no ships to spare. We're moving to a new base. You're on your own. In a nicer way, essentially, is what she said. Which sucks for everybody here at the Colossus. 
You know, we obviously know Poe went to Jakku. We know exactly what he's doing. We know exactly what the Resistance is doing. They're going to Dakar unless... Yeah, they've got to be going to the Dakar right now. It has yeah. Not that much time has elapsed. So this is a small group of Resistance fighters that we'll see if they ever get off the Colossus and they ever make it back to the rest of the Resistance because they're not in any of the movies, so... You know, right? Do they stay on the Colossus, or or maybe they'll maybe they'll pop in at Maz's Maz's uh, castle yeah. before it gets exploded or something. I don't know. We'll see. You know, we should look back at the Force Awakens now and see if you can see Aunt Z on Takodana. <laughs> yeah. Because well, a, I mean, a maybe she's there by then. Who's the same species? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go back and watch it now. Yeah, definitely. Looking for her. Looking for all of them. Yeah. I doubt. Like, I don't think we're gonna see like hype, but we might see maybe that little guy. I keep forgetting his name. He's funny. Has maniacal laughter all the time. Yeah, little the purple guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I liked him. I'm gonna miss those guys. Yeah. Hopefully Being we'll see him Colossus. again. Yeah. But I thought it was really cool that Kaz was so quick to turn down the invitation to join the rest of the resistance. Like he did not think about it for a millisecond. As soon as he was done listening, he's like, we're the resistance. We're doing this here. I'm he didn't even say like, I'm not going. I'm staying here. He didn't even say that. He's just like, we're doing this. Yeah. Well, I think he's developed friends and, you know, this is Kaz's home now. And it's it's sort of yeah. like in Clone Wars when the Separatists attack Kamino, all the clones are like, "We've got to defend our home. If there's people attack attacking our home, they better be carrying a big blaster." This is Kaz's mm-hmm. home now. You know, he's made right. friends with Niku. He's made friends with Yeager and Tam and Tora and you know all those guys. Like he, I don't know. Everybody knows his name. Even uh, Orca and Flix and Aunt Z and all the Aces know who he is. And you know. I don't know. I think he really likes living where he's at, and he's developed a life there, and I think when he was sent there as a resistance spy to help out the resistance, the fact that the First Order is in control of the platform is a big problem for the resistance, so I feel like he needs to he's going to take take the lead on it. Yeah, so. I think they're all dependent on him now. Like, Doze's yeah. hands are basically tied. He had Yeager. Now he doesn't. So without Kaz, I feel like they would be pretty much just just stuck with the First Order. So Yeah, but we also see the pirates at the end of this. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I know the pirates and Sonara have something, uh, have more of a role to play. Because they wouldn't have brought her in just for that and then shipped her off back with the pirates. And then that was it for her. So the pirates sort of intercept this transmission to the resistance from Kaz, and I feel as though the pirates, a lot of them, are going to want revenge against the First Order, and Sonara's going to want to help her friends. So I think we're going to see the pirates sort of come back to help out the uh, citizens of of the Colossus. Ooh, definitely Sonara. I hope she gets the whole pirates, like the whole gang on board. That would be awesome. But I also see it being as like them trying to get back in the First Order's good graces and then Sonara just being able to kind of like be an informant in the middle. Interesting. So you think Sonara 
will want to go back to help her friends, but the pirates will still want to try to make things right with the First Order and sort of team back or up just with like, them. Or just like still want to be pirates and still be against maybe everything. Okay. Um, maybe they'll play both sides. I don't know, but I just see Sonara as like, you know, she was like listening. She... And I, we know she cares about all these people on the Colossus. So I see her, I kind of, I think she's going to be in this weird in-between where she'll be in the position to inform Kaz and undermine whatever the pirates get going on if they don't decide to go against the First Order. Yeah. I think it would be interesting because Kragen clearly said that the pirates or the, the First Order betrayed them. I think it would be interesting if they wanted revenge against the First Order for betraying them. Because they were clearly played. So if they take that to heart and are the way that pirates are, maybe they'll maybe they'll want to help out. Because the pirates were kind of, with the exception of the aces protecting the station, the, pi- the pirates kind of had it made before the First Order showed up. Right. So. That's true. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But any final thoughts on these last two episodes of Resistance? Um, My only other thought that I had was with Yeager and Doza Mm -hmm. and them being, you know, closed up in Yeager's office discussing how to foil the First Order. Like, I'm kind of wondering how long that relationship of kind of knowing that Yeager was working with the Resistance and everything, like how long that's been going on. Like, yeah. has Doza always known? Or did they just start collaborating? Yeah. Or what? Because there was such a long time where we were, like, sure that... Not sure, but we were thinking that Doza was going to be, you know, one of the bad guys. Yeah. I wonder if he was just with Yeager kind of all along. Yeah, that I could don't know. be. Well, we... There's still a couple major things that we don't know. One... Doza's Imperial past, because we know that there's a history there, and they've brought up a couple things, Pyre questioning him about it, so hopefully we find that out as we, I mean, I think we only have a couple more episodes before the season one's over. Two, we have no idea who the First Order spy on the Colossus is, right? We've been trying to figure out that for a long time, because that's the whole reason why Kaz was sent to the Colossus in the first place. And three, I would say, would be Yeager and his his role. Because we know a little bit more about him and the fact that he fought along with the Rebels and he fought at the Battle of Jakku and he had a family and everything. But I feel like Yeager still has a big role to play and we still have a lot more to find out about him, you know? So yeah. the whole... I think Doza... I think you're right. I think Doza and Yeager, they had a relationship... I don't know how far back that relationship goes, but it's interesting because they seem to be on the same page. So right. I wonder if if at one point maybe Doza defected from the Empire and worked with the Rebels. That'd be interesting, too, if that was Ooh. something. That would be. Because he said it was more of a personal choice and stuff like that, and that Pyre wouldn't understand. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to think yeah. about. Yeah. It would also kind of explain a little bit like Yeager choosing, you know, to stay here versus other places. Like maybe he kind of knew like Doza from the old days and (laughs) trusted him. 
to yeah. like hide away on his platform. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I've really enjoyed these last two episodes of Resistance, and I hope they continue to go like this. Not that I didn't enjoy the other ones before. They've all been pretty good. But these two, we finally get to see uh, what we want to see. We get to see more character development. We get to see Kaz, you know, shine. And this is this is really cool. I love seeing this. So I'm very excited for the next the next uh, few episodes. But Jesse, that'll pretty much do it. Uh, we're we're going to constantly have more information on Star Wars Celebration leading up to the show, which is only just over a month away. So we're definitely going to have a lot more information on that. So definitely stay tuned with us. But yeah, we'll continue to talk about that and all the other Star Wars news, including new episodes of Resistance on the next couple shows before Celebration. And then we will have some Celebration coverage, Jesse at the show so we'll do some reactions to panels we'll get some photos of the celebration floor and we'll try to keep you guys updated uh, and engaged with everything happening at celebration as well while we're there but that'll do it for this show jesse so where can people find us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram all under the handle at twin sons outpost all right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side, and you'll be able to see all of our shows. You can also find us on the Star Wars Podcast app through the Google Play Store or on iTunes. And if you like our show, you listen to us regularly, and you think we're pretty wizard, please give us a good review on one of those platforms. We'd really appreciate it. You've been listening to episode 134 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. It's controlled by the hut. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Halloween. You're a mother to me, I think.